This is Ferris Takes with Ryan Ferris. So I'm going to talk today about the NBA players and the, the resting that's going on right now. So you've got LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, you know, you name it. Gold, every Everybody on the Golden State Warriors, all the Spurs, Popovich, you know, big guy, big fan of the resting, whole, whole deal with that. But uh, you got all these players that are resting, you know, every five games that you still have ESPN, TNT, putting the Cavs on, the, the Gold, Golden State on, uh, San Antonio, the Clippers. They're putting them on, you know, every other day. And that's all the NBA fans have to watch. So the NBA now has a really big problem with not only, you know, the TV, the TV deals, because the TV the TV guys, you got ESPN, you got TNT writing them letters constantly telling them, hey, you were showing these games and we're getting terrible ratings because the stars aren't playing. So now, and then you have the team saying, hey, we are, we're not going to play these players because, quite frankly, the, the regular season doesn't matter and we're just resting them for the playoffs. So th- there really has to be a, a fine line between what is okay, can these guys rest, and can these, can these guys not rest? Uh, can the NBA force the, the star players to play every game? And so my, my take on it is when Michael Jordan was dominating the league, was he resting? No, the the answer is quite quite frankly no. He he was not resting. He was playing eighty two games, eighty one games, eighty two games, and guess what? The Bulls were still winning all those championships. The only break he took was when he when he went and played for Chicago and played uh played a little baseball for the White Sox. That was the only break he took in, in eight straight years. He was playing every single game. Maybe he missed one or two. That's it. Yet you have LeBron over here that's taking a taking a break every five games. And the fact of the matter is, it, it's it's came to this because there's not enough competition in the league. Why is there not enough competition in the league? Because there's there's this salary cap. So what you have is you have player you have you have teams that are stuck. They can't pay more to get a great player because there's the salary cap restrictions. There's only the, the max contracts prevent the small market teams or even the consistently bad teams. From competing with those teams that are that are constantly dominating, it lets the free agents determine the the future of the league. It lets the players determine the future of the league instead of the teams. I mean, if that's your thing, if you guys like you know the players controlling the the leagues and that, then that's fine. But that's what the NBA's become, and that's why you you're going to continue to see players sitting out because they're going to still get paid. the The poor average fan is still going to pay the money for it. And in the end, the only person that's really getting screwed is the fan. You're going to continue to pay for a bad product unless you stick up to it and tell the league, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to pay for the tickets. I'm not going to pay for NBA League Pass. I'm not going to turn in to watch the games. Until that happens, nothing's going to change. They're not going to shorten the season, which has been suggested. Why would they shorten the season? Why would you have 62 games? So if you go to an owner, okay... Instead of 82 games, let's do 62. So with 62 games, you're going to tell me that I'm going to make less money, but there's going to be a better product. I'm sorry, I'm an owner. I don't really care. At the end of the day, if there's an extra zero at the end of my at the end of the revenue coming in, I don't care. So what you have to do, you have to play the owner's hand. You have to stop giving them that revenue that they came to expect. You have to stop going to the games. That's the only way it's going to change. I mean, you also have to demand more out of your superstars. Stop giving LeBron a break. Stop giving Kyrie a break. Stop giving Popovich the break as the best coach of all time or whatever you want to call him. I mean, the fans deserve more. 
It's quite simple. The fans deserve more. So start holding your players accountable. Start holding the commissioner accountable. I mean, we'll see if Adam Silver does anything. You hear all this, Adam Silver, he's the best commissioner of all time. Is he actually? Is he actually? He's all about, you know, doing the, what's right, doing the next best thing. So we'll, uh, we'll see if he sticks up for the fans here. So, uh, yeah, that's that's basically my take on it. Uh, the fans are, are pretty much putting up with this. And until they make a change, until the fans stick up to the league, stick up to the players, it's going to continue to be like this. There's no perfect solution unless the fans make a difference. Now, my next take is this LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball, UCLA drama, what have you. LeVar Ball, quite frankly, I can't stand the guy. Can't stand him. I mean, the, the absolute blabber that comes from his mouth on a daily basis. It's ama- It's quite frankly amazing that he has the time on his hands to not only go to ESPN, to go to Fox, to go to Mad Dog, to go to whoever, to voice his opinion how Lonzo Ball is the next best thing. But guess what? Lonzo Ball couldn't even beat, beat Kentucky beat Kentucky in the Sweet 16. You're telling me, LeVar, Ball, straight from, him, straight from his mouth, straight from his mouth, Lonzo Ball is better than Steph Curry right now. Put Lonzo on, on Golden State, Golden State will be better. Put Steph Curry on UCLA, and UCLA will be worse. Well, LeVar, I got a question for you. So tell me why Steph Curry got farther with Davidson. Davidson. Davidson, does anyone know where Davidson is? I sort of like, well, I'm from the Midwest, so I, I think it's in like the Ohio area or something like that. But most people have no idea where Davidson is. Everyone knows where UCLA is because guess what? They've won 10 plus championships with Wooden alone. And, and you're telling me that today, the two-time MVP, Steph Curry, is worse than Lonzo Ball? I mean, that's just absolutely insane. The guy, The guy's certifiably nuts. And... Again, this goes back to the only reason that it's going to continue to go like this, that he's going to continue to spew out this just absolute BS, is that the fans, the people, the media continue to eat it all up. Negativity sells. He said that. Negativity sells. And me and myself, I'm I'm guilty because guess what? I'm talking about it right now. I'm talking about it because it's ridiculous. I'm saying that everyone needs to make a stand and say, you know what, LeVar? Your son's just not that good. Why is he not that good? I'll tell you exactly why he's not that good. UCLA lost to Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Not only did they lose, they lost by over 10 points. They lost by over 10 points to a Kentucky team that's, quite frankly, filled with freshmen. Filled with freshmen. You got Bam Bam, you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Malik Monk. De'Aaron Fox, I got to tell you, that guy's going to be something special. Extremely athletic. He reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook. He's obviously got to work on his jump shot a little bit, but guess what? He showed up for that game, and he he put in a big-time performance. Actually, the most points ever scored by a, a freshman in the NCAA tournament with 39. I mean, that's a big, big-time performance. And when, I, when I'm looking for players that are going to be big-time players in the NBA, I look for the players that are going to put up the big-time games in the big spots. And that's exactly what De'Aaron Fox did last night and again going back to Lonzo Ball he just didn't show up you have four turnovers like eight points seven assists that's just not a great game that's not a player that's dominating at the college level and again going back to it UCLA UCLA is an extremely extremely deep team they got Alfred shooting threes at uh from behind the arc obviously they had Lonzo running the point and they had two bigs down low you got TJ Leaf uh also who's going to be a 
first round draft pick this year. And then off the bench, he had Drew Holiday's younger brother. Again, a great backup point guard, probably starting on all but maybe three to five teams in the NCAA this year. So to say that Lonzo Ball didn't have enough supporting around him for UCLA to win a championship is is pretty pretty ignorant. And if you ask me, Lonzo Ball had all the pieces around him. The fact of the matter is he just couldn't get it done. If you can't get it done in college, you're just not going to get it done in the NBA. It's as simple as that. If you ask me, I don't even think he's going to well, – he'll come close, but I don't think – I guarantee that Lonzo Ball will not win Rookie of the Year next year. I guarantee it. You heard it here first. Lonzo Ball has zero, I repeat, zero chance of winning Rookie of the Year next year in the NBA. Uh, and you're comparing him to guys like Carter Williams – Carter Williams couldn't even stay on the Philadelphia 76ers, one of the perennial losers in the NBA who won, won the Rookie of the Year a couple years ago. Uh, he, Michael Carter, played for the 76ers, got traded to the Bucks. now he's playing for the Bulls, obviously not even playing at all because no one's even heard of him. Uh, but yeah, he won the Rookie of the Year award a couple years ago, and I don't even think Lonzo has a shot at winning the Rookie of the Year next year. And going back to LeVar, how can someone that can't even win the Rookie of the Year possibly even be close to Magic Johnson, what he was. He, he's just not. I, I would think it's a bad decision if the Lakers decide to pick him second overall. It's just going to be an absolute disaster. Media is going to be all over it. They're going to eat it up, but uh, it's going to be a head case, and I don't, I don't look for the guy to walk the talk or whatever, back it up, what his dad's been talking about. So Next, I want to talk about Adrian Peterson. So Adrian Peterson, one of, quite frankly, the best running backs of all time, uh, he needs to find a new team. And in, in my opinion, he's got to find a new team fast. So coming into the offseason, you thought, okay, Vikings probably going to cut him. Turns out they did. Shortly after, Adrian Peterson said some possible teams that he'd be interested in. You're talking about Giants. You're talking about the Raiders. You're talking about the Bucks. Uh, then, you know, the media's thrown around the Packers, which me personally being a huge Packers fan, I think would be awesome. But uh, so the Giants, going into Giants, would the Giants work? Yes, I think if Adrian Peterson went to the Giants, that would work out very, very well. You got Odell on the on the one side, you got Brandon Marshall on the other, new signing that they got for two years, twelve million dollars, great signing in my opinion. And if you put AP there, that's a really, really good offense. Going to Tampa Bay, okay, in Tampa you got Doug Martin who just signed that big contract a year ago, like a five-year deal, but he's going to face a suspension or something like that. So would Adrian Peterson make sense? Yes, in that offense, I think he'd make sense with Jameis, but that team is not winning anything in the next year, next two years, next three years. I'm sorry, Adrian Peterson is not playing more than two years max. So then you go to the Raiders. Could AP fit in with the Raiders? Yeah, there's clearly a hole now that Latavius Murray went to the Vikings. But I don't see Adrian Peterson as a West Coast guy. I don't see AP going to that young Derek Carr team and playing there for a year. The other problem is, is I think Adrian Peterson wants the big money. I think the guy was making like $14, $18 million a year last year. I don't think he's going to settle for the running back market which is at three to five million dollars right now i think is he crazy yes he's probably absolutely insane i mean you have to be crazy if you want to be running back in the nfl but i think he's not being realistic for where the market is at right now he actually he came out today and said that his priorities are to win a championship if his priorities are to win a championship it's the raiders or packers it's the raiders or packers but the problem is i don't 
think that he is a West Coast guy. Being from Oklahoma, Midwestern feel, I think you go to Green Bay. You go to Green Bay, you play with Rodgers, you win a championship. You go to you go to Ted Thompson, you say, hey, Tom, hey, Teddy, I've got a deal. Give me $3 million guaranteed, $10 million in total contract with incentives. If I make the Pro Bowl, rush for 1,400 yards. Adrian Peterson, prove it. Prove it that you're still one of the best backs in the NFL. Sign with the Packers and win a championship. Now, there's been some news this week about a former Heisman winning quarterback, Mr. Johnny Football, possibly making a return to the New Orleans Saints. So at, at first glance, that's a little little strange just because, you know, the Saints high up Drew Brees. But then you look a little deeper into it and you think, okay, Drew Brees is 38 years old. Johnny Manziel clearly has some growing up to do. The Saints offense is a high-powered offense, similar to what Johnny Manziel played with or in at Texas A&M. Sean Payton is very creative coach. Okay. Maybe this makes some sense. So you got Drew Brees. He plays for another two, three more years. Saints aren't going to win anything, but you're getting eight, nine wins a year, sell some seats. And then you bring in Johnny Football. You let him learn from one of the best, have one of the most dynamic coaches in Sean Payton coaching him, and maybe something can come out of it. I mean, I look back, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, whatever he wants to be called now, was one of the greatest college football players of all time. And I don't think that many people will argue with that. I mean, what he did at the SEC level has not been seen. Well, obviously, Tim Tebow was phenomenal. But Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel are in a completely different class than any other SEC quarterback in the last 20 years in terms of what they did and how they dominated that conference. And I don't think it's much of a discussion. So the final take on that is, yes, I believe the Johnny Manziel, New Orleans Saints, marriage, what have you, would be a good idea if they bring him in, don't make him play at all. Clearly, you got Drew Brees backing up. That's the perfect situation for Johnny Manziel. Obviously, New Orleans is a little crazy. Who knows? Maybe have him live with Drew. Obviously, Drew's got a family, so I don't know if that would work. But, you know, keep Johnny Manziel on the low and don't let him go out, stuff like that. He says he's matured. Apparently, he's getting married, so that should help him out. But, yeah, bring him to the Saints, I think, could possibly work out. Then, this week, we had the World Baseball Classic. The USA won. Who knew? I, I knew when I... I didn't know at all, basically. Uh, who really cares? I mean, the baseball season is 162 games long, and you're telling me that I should watch baseball before that starts? I mean, I, I don't care. I don't care. The only thing I care about baseball is it helps me get a little bit closer to football season starting up again. I mean, it helps me get through the summer without football. Baseball itself, the season is way too long. I do not want to watch any more baseball games before the season starts. Yes, I'm happy USA won, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't really care. I mean, if the Dominican Republic won, that would have been a national holiday for the Dominican Republic. If Puerto Rico would have won, they probably would have closed every single business down for a week. I mean, it's a big deal for those Latin American countries, but in America, I'm sorry, Baseball goes on for 162 games in the regular season. I don't really care. It's not as big of a deal in the world as, per se, the World Cup, which is a huge, huge deal. And speaking of the World Cup, USA Soccer, big, big win, 6-0 over Honduras last night. Big game for Clint Dempsey coming back from injury. Hat trick. Uh, Clearly, 
the new coach of U.S. soccer after Jurgen Klinsmann was fired. Bruce Arena is making a difference. I mean, USA has got to make a push in this final stretch to qualify for the World Cup. Clearly, uh, soccer in the United States is growing, but it cannot make that the next jump without the U.S. soccer team making a, I wouldn't say deep, but strong run in this next World Cup. It, it, it is essential for U.S. soccer to continue to grow in the United States, which I think it's doing because I think the MLS is continuing to be uh, a stronger product as the years go on. I mean, you see these uh, Champions League players, you see these Premier League players, uh, Spanish League players, what have you, coming to the U.S. and saying, yes, the MLS is growing, it's getting better, it's getting stronger, but at the same time, we still need to go to that next level where we can actually compete with those Premier League teams. Now, I've got a big take on the Masters. Tiger Woods, he said that he was going to maybe play in the Masters. At this point, who actually cares? I mean, Tiger Woods has not won anything in five years, six years. I mean, the last thing that Tiger Woods won was that ACL in like 2010 U.S. Open, something like that. I mean, at this point, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to win another major. So why do we care anymore? He's not. He will not, Tiger Woods will not win another major. So why are we still talking about him? Why is Tiger Woods going on ABC Good Morning America to talk about how he might play at the Masters? Who cares anymore? I thought Tiger Woods was a great player, but we have so many good young golfers in, in golf today. Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, just phenomenal golfers. Why are we not focused on them and still focus on the past in Tiger Woods? I think it's clear that the next generation of golf is here right now. So let's focus on that and celebrate that instead of looking back at Tiger and hoping he's going to make a run, which he's just not going to make. Tiger is not going to make a make a run. So in this year's Masters, who I'm looking at right now, we got the odds at Dustin Johnson 7 to 1, Jordan Spieth is next at 17 to 2, and then Rory McIlroy is with him at 17 to 2, and then Jason Day 15 to 1. And as I'm going down this list, the name that jumps out at me is Danny Will at 75 to 1. So I would I would love to talk to the Vegas guys. How is Danny Will at the same guy who won the Masters last year at 75 to 1? Yet Jimmy Walker, yeah, that's right. Jimmy Walker is ahead of him at 71. I, I don't know how they make these odds, but if I was a betting man and I had two dollars, I'd probably put that two dollars on Danny Willett because the guy won the Masters last year, so we know he can do it. Can Jimmy Walker win a Masters? I don't know, Sergio Garcia at 45 to 1. He's, he's played like 25 years and he hasn't won a major, so I'm not betting on him to win a Masters. But who I like for the tournament, it, I mean, obviously you got to look at the big four, but I've got to say, I think it's going to be Rory McElroy putting on the green jacket at the end of the Masters this year in Augusta. And then my favorite. New segment of the podcast. Well, of course, it's my favorite new segment because this is the first ever podcast of Ferris Takes is the three minutes that no one cares about. And the three minutes that no one cares about this week is college hockey because I actually love college hockey. So college hockey has its tournament, Frozen Four, Final Four. They kind of do the same thing as the NCAA. But in college hockey, there's only about 65 teams in Division One, So the tournament itself only has 16 teams. So the top seed this year is Denver. Great season, 29-7-4. And then you got the second second number one overall seed is Minnesota Duluth. 
This is not the University of Minnesota. This is Minnesota Duluth. They are actually a very, very good college hockey team. So you can catch uh, college hockey on the ESPN family of networks. Clearly, ESPN doesn't really care that much because the first round games, uh, Penn State versus Union, This that is Union in New York, is on ESPN3. Not ESPN News, not ESPNU, ESPN3. So you literally have to have a laptop to watch it. But uh, for me personally... I think it's probably going to – I think Duluth's going to make a little run. And I like Minnesota making a little run as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Minnesota-Minnesota-Duluth college hockey championship. You can watch that on ESPN at 8 p.m. on Saturday, April 8th. It's going to be at the United Center. United Center in Chicago, that is. So, yep, that wasn't even three minutes of something that obviously probably no one cares about. But – uh. That was the best I had. So that's a wrap for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in again in two weeks.